Welcome to the Success in South Carolina podcast, where we will be hearing the untold stories of success from some of the top achievers in our home state of South Carolina. These neighbors of ours will also share their time-tested personal philosophies and solutions to inspire us, educate us, and help us find peace, joy, and love, along with a purpose, a mission, and a vision for our lives. And I'm your host, Jonathan Peoples. Our guest today lives in Greenville, South Carolina. He is a writer, leadership consultant, and speaker. He is a regional director for New International. He is the director of cross-cultural partnerships at GrowAbility and the co-host of the GrowAbility podcast. He was a pastor, a missionary, and he lived in outer Mongolia, speak fluent Mongolian. Maybe if we're lucky, we can uh, get him to teach us a little bit. Welcome to the show, my new friend, Bernie Anderson. Hey, Bernie. Hey, hey, Jonathan. Thank you so much. That was a very kind introduction. So, uh, but, uh, the, <laughs> Bernie, uh, yeah. Well, your website, BernieAnderson.com, calls you a quinquagenarian writer and speaker. What in the world is a quinquagenarian? <laughs> that is a someone in their 50s. So, <laughs> so Quinn, you know, like Quinn, okay, five. Okay, five, zero. I get so, it. I get it. It is probably confusing. My website uh, branding isn't isn't the best of the world. My personal website branding is probably uh, not the best of the world. But no, I. It's funny, uh, Jonathan. The the idea of like being fifty. I remember when I was uh, when I was a little kid, and I remember my grandfather turning fifty years old. And I remember as like a I don't know. I was probably eight. I was like, dang, he's like almost dead. Like he's so yeah. old, you know. And when I remember hitting fifty and thinking huh, I uh, still feel about 25 and, <laughs> you know, it's not well, as, old 50 as years old. 50 years old now is a lot different than when we were kids, Bernie. I remember growing up watching like the Golden Girls, for example, and you saw 50 right. year olds on that show. They were 50 at the time and they looked old. 80. They look 80. They know? did. They looked yeah. like 80 years. And then meanwhile, what was it? Two or three years ago, you had Jennifer Lopez headlining at the at the Super Bowl halftime show as 50 years old. And yeah. she did not look 50 years old. No, no, she did not. And still does not. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, 50 is a new 30, I guess. I don't know, but um, it's uh, it's, it's funny because I feel like uh, it's a weird time to, at the time that I built that website, I um, was like, wow, I'm changing careers yet again. And, you know, it's like, I think you're supposed to do this when you're younger, man. But but yeah. here we are. So well, speak to that. Speak to that, because all of us have our, our, our journeys in life, our ups and our downs. And we learn a lot from that. Speak to these career changes. What are some of the challenges you've come up against? Some of the setbacks. Talk about that. Yeah. You know, I think, Jonathan, one of the things that I've had to really embrace is learning how to be a beginner again. You know, um, when you're 20 something, you're, of course, you're a beginner. You're, you're a beginner at life, you know, and and so sure. a career being new at a career, it, it's it's an expectation that you have as a as a 20 year old or a 25 year old that oh, this is new. I need to figure out how to do this. I need to, you know, whether it's technology or, or when I was 25, I mean, technology was just kind of beginning to be a thing. But, uh, you know, we I came into technology as an adult. Right. Right. But, no, it's uh, it's interesting because I know for me, I went through about 13 plus years and finally kind of got to know a little bit of what I was doing as pastoring a church and, you know, working with people and 
preaching and teaching and doing all the stuff that pastors do in a little church. And then we, you know, made the grand decision of uprooting our whole family and moving to Mongolia. Right. So that was a whole new thing. So again, you have to become a beginner again. And the thing that I learned there that I continue to learn is that like that never stops. You, uh, you go to another country, you learn a language, you, you begin to understand that, Hey, this culture is absolutely nothing like my culture. And I need to learn how to fit in with this and get along with people and, and all that. What do you feel like were some of the major, uh, shock moments, culture shock moments from us to Mongolia? Yeah. Wow. Uh, there are probably several of those that I could do, but, but I, you know, I think one of the biggest, one of the biggest ones that impacted me today yet today is probably has to do with how different parts of the world just operate differently when it comes to, you know, day-to-day business and work and all that. I I remember, uh, one of the things that we did there was, um, uh, we we worked in a community development center and ran a community development center, started some businesses out of that, did did several different act, a bunch of different activities out of this. And I remember having a uh, calling together and saying, hey, we're going to start having a staff meeting every week because that's important. Right. Like you're supposed to have staff meetings. I mean, that's sure. that's that makes sense. So it was like we're going to do the staff meeting every week. And I couldn't get anybody to show up to it on time. And I'm like, I know the culture here is different time wise. You know, I mean, you show up to a wedding and uh, I remember showing up to a wedding right on time. We got to the wedding and nobody was there, like literally not the bride and groom. The only people there were some people in sweatpants, like putting up decorations. They're like, hey, how are you? You know, (laughs) the wedding didn't start for three hours later, you know, Uh, and yeah, like it's just because the certain cultures are more about the event, you know, and it doesn't matter when the event happens, the event's happening. Uh, The time isn't quite as important. Well, this was carrying over for staff meetings. And I remember just getting really, really frustrated, Jonathan, about this. And what was great is I have uh, a a guy, uh, still a friend of mine today, Mongolian guy, who uh, I was talking to him about this. And he just kind of looked at me and he said, well, Bernie, um, you know that in Mongolia, like we don't really like food is actually more important than meetings. And so people have to eat and they have to drive. Like you shouldn't have that expectation. And, and so like what I remember we ended up doing is saying, okay, let's have dinner together after work. We'll just have dinner together in the evening and we'll take care of it then. And so we started doing this with, you know, pizza or local food or whatever, And it was a beautiful thing, Jonathan, because all of a sudden I realized, oh, like we're eating and we're hanging out and we're having a meeting, which accomplished my purposes. Right. But the actual like friendship and community and the things that were happening in the room, I realized, oh, that's like way more important, you know. Um, So, yeah, that was a big that was a big that that was a big deal for me, you know. Uh, And and I know you're still telling your story, but I want to dive it like you were a pastor at a church. Yeah. And was it just a Holy Spirit led thing that said, hey, let's move to Mongolia or what happened there? (laughs) That does seem a little random, doesn't it? Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I I think from, you know, from my personal theological perspective, yeah, there's like a Holy Spirit thing there. I know that, um, you know, work being outside of America is something that my wife and I have always, you know, it's been a pretty high value. We would, we enjoyed going to and visiting other cultures, seeing other parts of the world. I mean, the world's a big, beautiful 
amazing place right and uh so we, we enjoy yeah oh my gosh like it's just it's a, it's a, it's glorious you know we could we could travel the rest of our life and never see the beauty and never it. get it all but um yeah. it's one of the things that i love about you know i am grateful that i have the opportunity to travel a fair amount and uh it's oh man like i i don't know what i would do if i couldn't you know um and I talk to people sometimes, Jonathan, who are like, yeah, I don't want to like, I don't want to get on an airplane. I don't want to leave it. I like it here. And that's cool. That's so cool. Like, I'm I'm glad. Um, but man, what a what a world we live in. But uh, anyway, that was kind of what uh, we ended up visiting Mongolia. And when we landed there, we're like, uh, I think there's a place for us here. We really just fell in love with the place. So, wow. Yeah. Was it the Mongolian beef? The Mongolian beef, probably not the food. There are uh, people that work and live in Mongolia. Expatriates there are, are uh, call Mongolia basically culinary hell. Um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, the food's not great for the uh, Western palate. Um, I got used to most of it and didn't mind it, but uh, yeah, there's uh, the Western palate is not uh, a lot of meat, a lot of dairy products. So, so you were you were in Mongolia as a missionary? Yeah, yeah, we were. We were working. Uh, we worked there with. Uh, uh really what we were doing was more community development type work so it wasn't like going in and i mean we did actually plant churches and do that too but our our main focus my main focus was working with um, college students and developing leadership material and um we uh we did uh we did start an international church there that uh still goes on today and um but yeah a lot of what we did was uh, working to empower youth uh, in, in as many ways as we possibly could. And that included things like business and English. And uh, we did music classes and music lessons and started bands and started a coffee shop and did, yeah, we did lots of things like that. So when you moved there, did you speak Mongolian? No, no, no. We took two years to learn Mongolian. So, wow. Um, yeah. So just kind of sink or swim, you're thrown yeah. in. Yeah. Yep, we did. We had, thankfully, uh, we were, we did like two years of language study. And I'm really thankful that we did that because uh, a lot of people do just get kind of thrown in. And I, I mean, they never are able to learn the language. You just have to operate in, in English. But uh, um, yeah, so it was a couple of years of language study. And then, and then, yeah, we, we started working, you know, now a little bit before that was over with. So, so starting, yeah. starting over at the beginning again. Starting at the beginning. And that's really the the whole thing, you know, like you start at the beginning, you get good at something and it takes five, six, seven, eight years to to actually start getting good at something, you know. And um, it was funny because after it was about eight ish years that we were there and it was just um, there were multiple factors, including some some health issues that my wife was facing and uh, our kids were back here and aging parents and, the you know, the whole bit. Yeah. Uh, and we just felt like we needed to be back in, you know, in the States. And we ended up landing back here in Greenville, South Carolina um, to start over again. <laughs> so it's like a new Starting thing. over again. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but but here's the thing that's cool with this, though. I mean, you think you're starting over again. But but the the thing is, is that life gives you experience in so many incredibly practical ways. So you're starting over again with like a new job or a new skill or a new task or whatever. And I started working for an international nonprofit doing fundraising um, and like major gifts and major donors and working with, um, hey, could you give us $50,000 to do this project? You know, that kind of thing. And 
that was a lot of that was new for me. But what was cool is that so much of what I already knew could be leveraged into that work. Um, I was able mm-hmm. to take the things that I knew about being a pastor and people skills that you kind of gain through that. And and uh, even even some of the, the, the cross-cultural, uh, getting some cross-cultural, real cross-cultural experience, not like, you know, hey, I'm taking a vacation in Italy, uh, which I highly recommend and is really great, by the way. But I mean, getting, taking cross-cultural experience and leveraging that in your work, uh, that's kind of, well, it's one of my superpowers, right? Like yeah. I, I get to, I have the opportunity to be able to do that. And that's, I think for starting over, that's what's really cool. Like, like knowing that, Hey, whatever your background, whatever your experience, you can, you can begin again when you have to. Um, and, and it's going to be like, it's okay because you've got yeah. skills that nobody else has, you know? Right, right. You you bring a whole different perspective just because of your life experiences that you've exactly. gone through already. Yeah, exactly. Well, let me ask you, this is just a, a hypothetical question, Bernie. If you had to pick a different career path today, start over, maybe a dream gig, what would that be? A dream gig. You know, it's funny. I am a huge, I love editing video and like yeah. doing working camera and doing like video editing work and doing uh uh, you know, cinematography, photography, that kind of stuff. I would probably, I, I mean, there would be a very real part of me that would be like, I want to, I want to actually pursue that as a career. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not something that, you know, I feel like at this point I'm going to be able to, I don't know. I still have this kind of bucket list item of making a documentary <laughs> at some point in my life, but okay, uh, okay, you know, but uh, no, I really enjoy that a lot. Um, it's uh I enjoy writing. And uh, so I do a fair amount of that, you know, just currently with articles and blogs and things like that. I do have a book I'm working on a couple of different, you know, book ideas, one that is actually in process. Um, uh, just kind of a leadership piece that uh, the big idea, uh, Jonathan, is that it you don't have to have a position of leadership or a title to influence people. And uh, I'm kind of my, my, my twist on that is kind of like Frodo Baggins, you know, Frodo is not a leader by any stretch of the imagination when you, when you look at him, but um, Frodo ended up being the one who actually like, yeah, you know, like leadership was, was it was a huge thing. And and I mean, I I think that um, there's a lot of Frodo's out there. There's a lot of people who are hobbits and stay in their little hobbit hole and they're, they're good with that. But you got to realize that, man, because of what I just said, that experience, your your take on life is so unique um, that uh, you can lead and and influence, even if you don't have a, you know, you're you're not Gandalf, you know. So anyway, yeah. some of the most interesting people I've ever met, Bernie, and and probably what I would call some of the most successful people, have gone through multiple iterations of hitting a wall or falling down. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe a foreclosure, a bankruptcy, something like that. Yeah. Getting back up and pushing forward uh, right. or changing careers multiple uh, once or twice or three times. Mm-hmm. I how how would the average person how does the normal person or how do you push through those hard times? Though, Because when you fall down or when you start over, yeah. it's not always glorious. You know, you're starting from a new valley, yet you were on the peak at one moment. You're in the valley yeah. the next. How do you, first of all, keep your self-image intact and how do you push forward to get to that new peak? Yeah, that's a great question, Jonathan. 
No, just answer it this way with just a, a piece of, of my own story. Um, when we came back to America in 2014, uh, the, uh, there was a huge part of me that, that, you know, was left behind in Mongolia. And part of the, the, that story that I won't get into a ton of details at this point, but enough to know that there were some uh, relational issues that had gone on over time with uh, other team members and, and this sort of thing that were really hard. I mean, I'll just say they were really hard. Um, and it was funny because I didn't even realize how just internally broken that I was until about four years later when I realized, oh my gosh, like my entire identity was this guy that was doing these cool, cool things in Mongolia um, I've always been an, a really good, like with people and, you know, one of those kind of people that, I mean, sure, I've got like a people pleasing tendency. I'm, I'm, I'm quite aware of that, but most of the time it's like legit. Like, I mean, most people like me, you know, and then I had this kind of little, like these, these conflicts with interpersonal conflicts over there that just completely, I mean, it ripped me apart way more than I ever thought that they would or could or should even, but they yeah. did, you know, they did. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, I remember like sitting on a, on a porch and thinking, man, like, I don't even know what, who I am anymore. Do I just like go, <laughs> it was funny. I was like, am I going to go just like, am I going to work at Walmart, which is, you know, fine. I'll work at Walmart, you know, but like, I don't really want to work at Walmart, but Walmart is Walmart. So there you go. But like, right. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Here's what I'm going to do. This was like my insane. I, I actually really, I took a deep dive in this for like, like probably two weeks. I'm going to like, I want to do something with my hands and I really like books. So I'm going to learn how to be a book binder, you know, like an artisan book binder. And I was like looking at all the stuff, like I was going to actually take a course. I was like looking into this and I realized I will literally starve. Like, I mean, like <laughs> I'll be homeless. I'll be starving. I mean, my wife would probably like leave me because I wouldn't be like ever doing anything, but like making these, but you know, so I was, like, <laughs> like, like I realized, okay, this is not what I need to do, you know, but uh, so I'm, well, I'm super me, that yeah. leads to another question, Bernie. Yeah. Cause other people take these deep dives and sometimes they live, they end up living there. Thank God you only spent two weeks there. Yeah. How do you how do you come to that aha moment that says, you know what, I this is not what I want to pursue. It, it reminds me of I'm a big fan. I love this TV show Parks and Recreation. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, and you've got uh, that that guy who makes that little claymation video and he spent like three weeks, two or three weeks <laughs> on it. And it ends up being like 30 seconds. And he's like, right. I thought it was much longer than that. Or maybe it was <laughs> yeah. only like five seconds. That's right. 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 Uh, so how do you get those that aha moment that says, OK, I'm wasting my time. This this is not what God's God's God gave me talents and right. skills and blessings. And I would be wasting them doing this. Yeah. You know, this is, um, uh, here was what happened for me. Uh, I was kind of in this, in this moment, I had done the fundraising thing. Right. And I was like, it was a decent job. The, 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 what I did after we came back for about four years or so. Um, but I realized after four years, I was just miserable in this job. Like I was not happy in it. It wasn't something I wanted to do. And so then I'm like, okay, book binding, you know, do I want to do that? I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. I had a conversation with a friend and I, I tell you what, Jonathan, I'm, um, I am a believer that 
people in our lives that are free to speak into our lives are going to make all the difference. Mm-hmm. And, and I think every person needs, I, I hate to use the word mentor in one sense, because mentors can be like, like I'm, I'm 55. I could have a mentor who's 20. And I could have a mentor. I just talked to a guy yesterday. I had a meeting, two-hour meeting, talking to a 70-year-old guy who was just like brilliant. And, and he was like a mentor for, for two hours anyway, you know? Looking for mentors and listening as people speak wisdom into your life, I, I think makes all the difference. And for me, like what kind of got me like, okay, um, I need to really think through, think well about, you know, where am I? I had two, two different people. One is my, my really good friend, David, who was for, for years. Um, he, uh, he really coached me up, you know, and, 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 and spoke into my life and put out ideas and he never did it in a way that was like judgy or, Hey, you really should do this or, you know, but, but I mean, he would listen and he would ask really, really good questions. And I was so grateful for David. And then the other person that I ended up talking to was my colleague at Growability, Joshua. And I can remember being on a really low moment and I was here at my home. My, I was leaving this job I hated, but not really knowing what I was going into and how we're going to actually like pay the mortgage and, you know, the book binding thing. Right. And I remember my wife had a meeting that night and she was like, you really just need to figure this out because I'm kind of going down too. And, you know, when a husband and wife are usually when I'm down, she's up, when I'm up, she's down, you know, we can kind of balance each other out. It's like, we don't both need to go down right now. Right. Mm. (laughs) So that evening I ended up just out of the blue, randomly calling my friend Joshua and didn't even know what he was doing at the time. And I was like, Hey, Joshua, like, what's, what, what are you, what are you up to? Like, here's me. And here's like my, and, and turns out he had started this company called Growability. And by the end of the conversation, like two and a half hours later on the phone, like two little high school girls, um, we, we had, had reconnected and he's like, I actually think you would be the perfect person to kind of step into this role as a consultant and coach with Growability. Why don't you come to Nashville? So you know, I did. And the rest of that's history. And it was, it was a great fit. So such a good fit, but I, I really attribute all of that. Yes. To Providence. I, I believe in, in the Providence of, of God for people that, you know, believe in God. Um, but, uh, even if you don't believe in God, you have people around you that are really, really smart, you know, yes. and, mm-hmm. and listening and asking questions and learning to get wisdom from them is really, um, it's life-saving. You know, yeah. Well, I'd like to to dive into that a little bit, Bernie, especially the thought of mentorship. Uh, I'd like to talk yeah. about mentorship. How do you find the right person or people? Because you have to be very careful who you're. Everyone has opinions. Everyone mm-hmm. wants to tell you what to do with your life, but not everybody has great opinions, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. how do you how do you find that right person? How does a mentorship relationship work? Like, how do you take mentorship? How do you give mentorship? Can you speak yeah. to that? Yeah, yeah, no, that's, I think that's a great question. Uh, and I love, I love that. Uh, I love talking about this. So this is good. Um, mentorship is, is actually um, not about opinions. 
And I think that's the key because you're right. If someone is about, and I'm, I'm guilty of this oftentimes, right? I'm an opinionated person and uh, we'll get in a conversation and like, well, here's, here's what I think about this or whatever. Um, here, let me fix your problem for you. A good mentor knows when not to do that. Uh, a good mentor is, is someone who knows how to ask great questions and how to listen really, really well and speak only when, you know, the, the time is right. And oftentimes that speaking, like, it's, it's so funny to me. Um, I have had someone tell me, oh my gosh, Bernie, you're such a great, like I, this, we just had this meeting and it was just so helpful. And, and, and I really appreciate you, like, like your insight. And I literally said nothing in the meeting. I just sat there and listened. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you figured all that out yourself, but you just needed to process it and you needed to speak out loud and, and get it out on the table in the open mm -hmm. and hear your words go through the air and come back as, as you know, audio signals to your ears yeah. and be like, huh, you know, being a bookbinder is really a dumb idea. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you know, or whatever. Not that it's not. It's actually, if you're a bookbinder, congrats for actually making a living at that because it's a super cool art. But anyway, the different issue. Um, the, yeah. So I think mentors, um, you know, we think of a mentor as like, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi or, you know, somebody, you know, who's going to show you the way and all that. But no, I actually think that most of us just need someone who's going to be able to listen well and ask really, really good questions. Mm -hmm. And that's what my two, you know, friends, David and Joshua, both are, are so good at. Uh, it's something I keep trying to get better at as a, as, as a mentor myself, you know. Um, and that's where age doesn't really matter. Like you can have a mentor who's quite young. You can have a mentor who's older, but you just got to learn. They've got to learn how to do that. And here's the other thing. Mentors, you can find your mentors by learning to listen yourself, right? Um, you know, as I listen to people, I still have a lot of connection with, you know, millennials, Gen Z folks. And man, there's a lot to be learned there. You know, yeah. ask yeah. questions and listen and and you too learn, you know, in ways that uh, yeah. are kind of surprising. So to me, like listening and asking questions is both a great, a great tool for mentors and mentees, you know, for both um, to learn and to and to kind of be that person for someone else. So, yeah. So so almost somebody who has, uh, first of all, natural curiosity, I think is helpful, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's but really mentorship. Good the ability to listen and ask good questions is, is also not just a natural thing, but it's a, it's a skill. 100%. That, that's developed. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really, that's really good. Uh, and it's, it's a skill and even a discipline, you know, I like uh, that word I, discipline. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's something that I think um, that I, I know for me, I, I mean, because I'm not comfortable with silence. I don't know if you may be. I'm not. If we have this conversation and there's like dead air time, I'm like, no, you can't do that. Like, like say something, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, I, and I think that's true for a lot of us. And, and it's just probably because we're not used to dead air time. And mm. uh, I think just being able to sit with somebody and recognizing that, Hey, I don't have to say a thing here. I'm just going to ask a question ask and a then question shut the mouth and shut the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and that can be so hard. Like that's where the discipline. It takes. Yeah. It takes discipline. 
it does. It's it's not hard in theory. It's very easy in theory. It's right. very difficult in discipline. It's very di- it is it takes discipline to ask the question and then just shut up and sit in that awkward silence. Yes. And just sit let silence awkward. fill the air. Yeah. Yeah. Embrace the awkward. And if you can do that, you'd be a great mentor. Mentor. Like, I mean, a mentor is someone who can embrace the awkward and and know that, hey, it's it's fine. Like, it's okay. So every once in a while, I'll do a, uh, there's a couple of topics that I, I talk about when I do, you know, speaking engagements or whatever. And uh, uh, sometimes I will do this. And, and if you go to an audience and you say, hey, here's what we're going to do. I want everybody just to close your eyes. If you need to just, but we are going to have a literal one minute of silence. And it's so awkward in a room. Like it's so like, uh, should we be laughing or should like, what do you mean? I mean, cause you know, you do like a moment of silence in memory of some, you know, buddy who died or a tragedy. It's usually like literally three seconds of silence. Right. You know, like um, no, like a full minute of silence is an eternity in a room full of people. And it, it really makes a point of, Hey, uh, this is harder than what it sounds like um, because we don't like silence is a lost art, isn't it, Bernie? It is. Yeah, I think so. And whole, I have this is definitely a weakness in my life. Even while I'm sitting here typing something up, I have to have the TV on. I have to have other things like just background noise. Yeah. When's the last time we've just had complete silence in our life when we can sit, meditate, thought, reflect, yeah. whatever? It, no, input. it's almost unheard of nowadays. It really is. It is. You know, I, one of the things I do is just my daily kind of routine, Jonathan, is I, I like to take a, I like to take a walk. I really like walking. It's kind of my thing. Um, so every morning I take about a, you know, I usually walk about three miles in the morning, just, you know, around, I live on a golf course and kind of walk around it. And at first I was like, oh, this is great. I can like listen to podcasts. I can kind of catch up on audiobooks. I can, you know, listen to stuff. And, and it actually what, and, and it was great and it's true. Um, but I've just found that, you know what, I'm better off just no inputs and just let my brain be with its own thoughts. And I find that to be so much more helpful than, you know, I mean, listening to Seth Godin or, or, you know, Cal Newport or somebody you know or whatever. I mean, those are good. Those are good. I like podcasts. But um, I'm with not you for that morning time, you know, yeah. uh, and and I think doing that is is helpful in building that discipline of, oh, like I can just listen to somebody, you know. Um, yeah. And it's funny. I remember the there's a story in the Bible. Where someone is seeking God's voice mm. and there's this earthquake and then there's this huge storm. And then the voice is just this whisper. It's this yeah. still small voice that comes through. And I wonder if sometimes that's why we don't hear from God. And a lot of us have lost touch with God because we just don't have that silence in our life anymore. Yeah. No. And I mean, cause yeah. And that, that the end of that story, the God wasn't in the thunder and he wasn't in the, right. the, the loud, the earthquake. God was in the whisper. He was yeah. in the still small voice. And I, I, I do think that our, our human psyche and brains we need that and it's so hard because we've got you know digital media and and Mm. phones and i'm not like i am not a i I love my digital media like don't get me wrong i'm not anti that at all but man 
we just need we need those silent moments. And uh, I, I just think that's so important, both just as, as humans, you know, let's let, let's do something fun here, Bernie. Let's let's do just five or 10 seconds of silence in this podcast. What do you think of that? Dead air time. Let's do it. I wonder, I wonder how that 10 seconds is going to play out for the audience. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, you know, on radio, you can't have dead air time. Like that's just yeah. not, you know, but uh, no, I, I mean, it's, it, it is, it's, it's, uh, it's awkward. And, you know, I mean, you don't know whether to just like, okay, I'm going to be really meditative or actually this is kind of funny and I'm going to snicker or, you know, whatever. I yeah. mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard, but um, well, let's man. pivot. Let's pivot real quick, Bernie, because I do want to get kind of more generic sense. How do you define success? Yeah, how do I define success? Um, you know what? I should have known you were going to ask that question <laughs> and like given it some more <laughs> like thought. But that is a that is a tricky question in one sense because success is one of those things that I I am very confident is not defined in the way that most people, you know, look at it, you know? Um, but I feel like success is actually living a purposeful life. So I, I you know, one of the, one of the, the, the client base that I, I have a, a strong nonprofit client base, obviously, cause that's kind of my whole history and my, my background. And one of the things that I tell nonprofit organizations is that you need to lose that thought because a nonprofit organization is actually a business that runs out of money and doesn't make a profit and nobody needs like, that's not going to work. A business can't or a nonprofit, like whatever. Um, so sure. The government, you know, the IRS calls you a nonprofit, but here's what you are. Every organization, every business, every person should be for purpose. You know, like you as a, you know, whatever your IRS status is, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day, you should be for purpose. Uh, and if you're living for purpose, whatever that is, um, and it's clear and it's, it's you, you have some guidance in that and you, you're led by that and you, you're, you're, you're building a team around that or selling a product around that or, or making the community a better place around that. What is your purpose? And and for me, success is recognizing, hey, this is this is who I am. This is my background. This is my experience. This is, you know, whether it's 50 years of experience or 10 or five or one, understanding that, hey, there's a bigger purpose in what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Um, yeah, it's the whole uh uh you know, Simon Sinek thing of knowing your why, you know. Yeah. I think it goes to that, speaks to that. Um to me, success is about understanding and living out your purpose more than anything else. I love that definition, Bernie, because of the journey of life has its ups and downs. And if it's yeah. always about progress, well, there are times in life where it doesn't seem like you're making progress. But right. if you're pursuing purpose, then even if you change careers, that purpose can still be the same. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Even when you start over, even when you fall down, get back up and go in a new direction. If you're still going, if you still are accomplishing that purpose, yeah, then you're yeah. still having success. That's right. Bernie, That's this right. might be my favorite definition of success so far. 
Ah, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I, and it, it's really is because here's the thing you, you sometimes don't succeed in ways that you want to, you know, you don't right. make as much money as you want, or you don't, you don't have as many clients as you want, or you don't have as big a, you know, you had this dream to, you know, have this big, you know, brick and mortar, you know, company or, or whatever. And it doesn't happen, but the impact that you have on this earth can still be really significant as you, yeah, as you think about, hey, what is what is my real purpose for for doing any of this? And how does that guide those kinds of decisions, you know, mm-hmm. and shifts and pivots and all that? So how do you how do you what's the best way to ask this, Bernie? How does someone identify that purpose? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh what and, and this is actually a process that I go through with 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 clients because purpose is such a big part of who we are as growability is is really about helping helping organizations be on purpose for purpose. So for people to personally go through that, one of the things that we do is we we sit down with them. And um, this is this is where like those pastoral skills from way back in the in the distant past come in really handy here. Um, because what we do is we sit down and process with people um, basically three different things. What are the what are the big events that happened in your life, the specific events that happened in your life that that impacted you and changed you uh, mm-hmm. that that gave you some like like that you that affect the way you do things today. So we walk through, you know, what are those what are those moments who are the people that really are impact you? Why did they impact you? Why are they that way? And then, um, and then we, we also walk through with people, um, you know, what are some of the biggest like learning things that you, what what have you learned and what are some of the big lessons that you've learned and how did you learn them? So there's like a process that I've gone through with people to that. And then we kind of have a, you know, Hey, this, you know, we take those things and we look at what are, what are some of the, 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 the qualifiers, the significant factors in that life that are in that event or in that person's life or whatever, and, and craft out of that, uh, some kind of a purpose statement. And, and we then try to hone that thing down. So it's just, just a few words, you know, um, you know, for, for me personally, um, one of, I mean, a big part of my purpose is um, empowerment through community building. Um, mm-hmm. I, I am, and so I do all of my training and my teaching and my, my consulting and all of that is really about building a community somewhere around either the, the business or the leader or whatever, uh, and then empowering them to just go do that. You know, so so what that does for me personally, Jonathan, is that I don't I don't have to uh, when I when I make decisions on who I take on as a client, I don't necessarily want a client that I'm going to be working with for the next 10 years. Yeah. And it's not because I don't like you. Like if I'm, I'm working with you, Jonathan, and we're like, well, I'm working on this. We're working on a project. We're working on your business or whatever. I don't, my purpose won't. I think isn't to work with you for the next 10 years. I want to be your friend for the next 10 years, but I want you to be empowered to 
have the tools and the the accountability and the systems and the habits that you need to be able to run your business, to live out your purpose and run your nonprofit or run whatever it is that you're running. And then I'm I'm back out of that and I've done my job and it's right. great, you know? Right. So um, that's really, so for me, that's kind of how that works out and just practicalities, but um, they're- uh, So almost looking backwards- to see what what are some of those major events that have taken place in life yep. and who are the people that were there. So looking in the rearview mirror first so yes. that you can figure out how to how what what is the what is my purpose been so far? Who are you and, and how have who you been I? used already? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. OK, I like this. Yeah. And then uh, and then we look forward at like, OK, where are you right now? And and then all right, so how do you see this projecting in the future? And then again, we kind of work together to craft some kind of a purpose statement or, you know, and I say that it sounds, you know, you think of purpose statements and, you know, some random gobbledygook on a wall somewhere at a, you know, at the Chick-fil-A or something, you know, or, but um, no, I mean, a purpose statement that you actually use and, and that, that changes everything you know? Yeah. And, um, that's, that's clarifies it. And I'm like, ah, everything makes sense now. That's those moments are fun. And that's really something that I want to see happen in people's lives, you know? So, so you leadership growth, mentorship, these things are very important to Bernie Anderson, part yes. of his purpose. W- what are your personal keys to success, Bernie? Yeah. What are the top two or three things that if you said, hey, a listener's out there, here's some two or three things they can take, they can apply to their life. Maybe it'll help them with their success. Absolutely. Um, this is going to seem a little counterintuitive, but one of the first things for anybody that I work with, um, there's a great book called Essentialism by Greg McEwen. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. Highly recommend it. It's like my most recommended book to people. I'll be like, here, read Greg McEwen's Essentialism. But one of his chapters, and actually in this particular chapter, he's talking specifically about sleep. You know, like sleep is essential. You got to sleep and stop like trying to not sleep because if you don't sleep, you're going to be like, and he goes through all the statistics and science of sleep, right? And there's a lot of people that have done that. But the thing that he says in that chapter uh, that I I repeat to people all the time is this, protect the asset. And that's a military term. And I have no military. My dad was in the Marines during Vietnam, but that's the only military. Like I don't have any real military background. But the picture here is you have an asset and you need to protect that asset. And in your case, the asset is you. Hmm. So make sure that you as a leader, you as a, a business owner, you as a nonprofit leader, whatever it is that you, you, know, you use a, as a as a, a a wife or a husband or a family person or a friend or whatever, you've got to protect the asset. You are the your physical, mental, spiritual, emotional person, Jonathan Peoples, the one and only. You are the, the, that is the best contribution that you're going to be able to bring to the world. You know, yeah. um, it's your brain, it's your, your body, it's your, like the whole thing. And so one of the things that I really do with people that I work with is, is we, and we have several tools that we kind of pull out to help them with this of, okay, how are you going to prior, prioritize your time, your health and health in a in a real holistic sense, not just like you know work out or you know sleep or whatever, but 
you know, the brain and, you know, the, the emotions and all of those things. How do you put the boundaries around your life that you need to be and to bring your best self to whatever it is that you feel like you're called to do your purpose, mm. you know? Yeah. Not understanding your purpose is one thing. Bringing your best self to your purpose. Oh my gosh. Like, like that's, that's the hard part in one sense, you know, getting it, yeah. but then bringing your best self to that. So really, I think a key to success, Jonathan, is making sure that you're first of all, protecting the asset. You're getting sleep. You are getting some, you know, exercise. You're, you're feeding your mind and feeding your soul and um, feeding your body and, and, you know, doing mm. all of the things that are, are, going to help you to bring your best self to the purpose that only you can fulfill, you know? So, yeah. So protect the asset. Yeah. So that's, that's the number one thing I think for me, um, contributing factors to success. Yeah. That like at the end of the day, really, you know, I, I mean, cause it's going to, that's going to, the, the pieces of that are going to vary depending on what you do, you know? Sure. Um, for me, I have to make sure that I, I put in time for reading. I have to make sure that I, I have time in my day for writing. Um, my walks are super important because, you know, of this, but that may not be so for everybody. I mean, everybody doesn't do the same thing, you know? Um, so, uh, a lot of that is, I would uh, say reading, I would say reading is probably important for everybody. Uh, reading is really important and it's something we don't do enough of, in my opinion. So yeah. um, walks probably important for everybody. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not writing as much, but I, th I think writing is a skill that is underserved in our market. And, and I think I that more and more and more, the person that actually writes on a regular basis can separate themselves in anything they do, yeah. even if they're an engineer, if they're right. a, a tech That's consultant, true. whatever they do. Yeah. 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 Communication. I mean, uh, writing or and or public speaking, you know, I think one or the yeah. other being able to communicate in some way is is definitely a skill worth worth investing in, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and and really, Jonathan, isn't that at the end of the day, what you've got to do is you've got to see, okay, um, here's what I like to look at the thing that I'm, or at least I assume I'm super awesome at, and the thing that I really suck at. And those are the two things I want to work on. You know what I mean? Like I want to sure. take my strengths and I'm a big believer. We use strengths finders in our work and I'm a huge believer in saying, okay, let's build out your strengths and really, you know, intensify that. And if there's something I kind of suck at, let's get that at least to like a B minus level, you know, <laughs> you yeah, know like, yeah. like you got to get as a leader, you've got to be kind of B minus at everything. I mean, if I ever yeah. got a report carded and my parents got below, I got below a B minus they were always yeah. a little like, yeah, I don't know about that. But if we could yeah. get to B minus at everything and then world class at a few things, mm. man, like that's really, that's really good. So understanding your strengths, I think is really probably one of the keys in that as well. Um, protect the asset, understand your strengths and know where you're not strong, you know, too, um, just, just to be aware, you know? Yeah. So how... I think awareness is a lost skill too. How do how do people find out what their strengths are? You've you said you talked about a couple of strengths finder tests. You know, there's some of those that are good, some are not. I still think that a lot, all of them fall short because yeah. they're tests, right? Right. Some people right. are great at taking tests. Some people the, the test reflects what they are in that moment, but it doesn't reflect them as a whole person. Sure. Um, they're they're great tools. I'm not I'm not bashing yeah, any yeah, tests. Yeah. No, I hear you. 
yep. but they still all of them and they 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 admit this that's why there's dozens of them if there were one that was perfect we would only have one mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah. how does someone how does someone gain that awareness to understand what their strengths are bernie yeah well i think part of it is assessing you know and assessing i think to to your point jonathan is assessing with a view of hey i actually like have proven that i can do this pretty well or um, this is something I get excited about, or even more importantly, this is something that my colleagues, my coworkers, you know, people that know me in my life, they're like, oh yeah, you're really good at that, you know? Yeah. Um, so I do think the assessment is important, um, but it probably needs to be backed up with, hey, like there's proof that this is this is true. The, the one that I use all the time with people is the Clifton's uh, uh, the it's Clifton Strengths Finders 2.0, which is uh, actually, oh, I'm not thinking that I can't remember the name of the, it's a well-known like research company that's kind of behind it. Uh, I can't, you would know it as soon as I said it. But anyway, um, that one is actually research-based. It's not just, you know, here's another, you know, cute way to figure out if you're blue or green or yellow or whatever, you know, like <laughs> yeah, take I mean, this, take this magazine quiz, right? Yeah. It's not. Yeah. This one is actually, um, mo- 90% of fortune 500 companies use Clifton strengths finders, mm-hmm. um, to work with their leadership and work with their, their, their people. So it's one that is, is fairly proven for, um, for being relatively accurate for that. And for, for my wife and I, we did it together and man, it was so cool because we were able to realize, Oh, that's like, that's why you do this. And I do this. And well, isn't this cool? We have a match here. You know? So that was kind of a, it was, it was good in our relationship actually. But, um, but no, I think at the end of the day, you're right though, Jonathan, you can't just assume that a test is going to tell you everything. Yeah. It won't. Um, but I think if you do that coupled with, well, coupled with, a coach or a mentor, um, shameless self-promotion there, right? But a coach or a mentor, man, you end up actually, um, you can actually get a whole lot out of that because you can kind of see, oh, this is, this is the pattern in my own life. And um, somebody that can help you see through those blind spots you may have in your own life. Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. Protect the asset, maybe a little reading, some writing walks are important. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Understanding your strengths. These are all, I just realized we're we're coming up like on the end. We may need to do a a, a ver, uh, episode two here, Bernie, because I am loving this. Oh, probably fun. one of the yeah. one of my favorite one of my favorite <laughs> episodes we've done. So awesome. Uh, but I but I do want to wrap up and give you a little yeah. bit of time. Let's let's highlight. We've talked a little bit about your company and organizations. Obviously, people can find you at bernieanderson.com. They can check out some of your blogs. I love yeah. those blogs. One of my favorites was uh, the one about getting in a rut or, or a ditch. Getting in, a, you know, how do you avoid the ditch and how do you get out if you're in one? Uh, yeah. Good stuff yeah. in there. Yeah. And, uh, uh, that was taken from a literal ditch experience in uh, Mongolia, actually. So <laughs> like, I think the, uh, it may have even been the photo that I used was from there, but anyway, yeah, yeah, no, that's, and you uh, do a lot of speaking as well. What topics do you speak on and what type of organizations would be good to fit your message? Yeah, no, I appreciate you asking that, Jonathan. So I do speaking, my speaking engagements are a lot of team type stuff. So uh, any organization that has a team, I I love doing, uh, I have a couple of workshop type talks on uh, doing this is I, I I don't I hesitate to say this because some people are like oh that's so 1970s or whatever but we use a, a like a a version of disc profile uh, DISC sure. along with strengths finders that empowers a team in ways that 
I, I just, I cannot describe to you <laughs> the changes that I've seen in teams that are like kind of bickery, kind of like, yeah, nah, 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 there's stuff going on and, and, and helping people get some personality intelligence and understand their own, you know, kind of like strengths. What that does is helps the team, but it also helps managers of teams and leaders to be like, huh. Bob over here is in the total wrong position. We need to move him over to this position, you know, or whatever. Like you can actually strategize with how to build your team once you understand personalities and strengths. So we do that. I do team communication skills and how to just really communicate better as a team. We have a set of rules that we'll do with that. We, I mean, really almost any of the, um, uh, we do some C-suite strategy stuff that we'll, we'll work with them on uh, just various topics from, you know, how to build out your your KPIs as an organization and, you know, that kind Any of Any specific so, industries or uh, niches or size companies that you work with, Bernie, or is it above the board anything as long as it's a team? Yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's so um, we really, I mean, Growability as a, as a company, we are, we've built our, uh, our entire a model to be to work with any industry. And so far, we haven't found one that it's not worked. In, you know, yeah. so um, I personally love working with nonprofit organizations. Uh, that's something that I'm super passionate about. Uh, I, I love working with a nonprofit team. And uh, that's something that well, it matches I, what you said earlier for purpose, because most of the nonprofits, they're not in it for profit, but they do have the purpose. Yes, yes. And yeah, and they have the purpose. And, um, you know, I've got a whole toolkit to help um, their development team to raise more money, to, yeah. to help them define what it is that they do to, to you know, we've got strategy pieces that we work through uh, the growability model. And you can go to growability.com and, and you can see, you know, kind of what our model looks like. It's based on a tree. So the beauty of a tree is that it's a structure that we're all familiar with, but no two trees look alike. You know, right. And right. and that's the same with any organization, with a business or a nonprofit. There's I mean, there's a structure behind that that organization mm -hmm. and yet no two look alike. So we have a highly flexible model that um, we use to work with them. So we 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 work with businesses, uh, Jonathan, on a consulting basis. We do coaching. We do workshops and training, you know, with with companies. And um, the other thing that we do, and this is this is my favorite thing that I do, is pull together small groups of leaders from various businesses, and they can be from a niche of companies, you know, a bunch of dentists or a bunch of, you know, pastors or a bunch of whoever, or you know, just business leaders from the community, and we bring them together into a community of people that we work together for a year, um, just implementing the entire growability model, and. Um, moving through that together as a group. And I, because of what I said earlier, my purpose has to do with building communities. Like that is the most fun that I have mm. all year long is working with these groups. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. So that's what we do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you can go to growability. And they can find you at growability.com. Yeah. Growability.com slash coach. You'll find my mug there and you can contact me that way as well. So and they can find you guys the, the growability podcast on is it that's right pretty much any any podcast platform too right yep any podcast platform you can do the growability podcast and we're we finished up season one and are are recording right now season two we'll be doing that on Monday and uh, I think we'll be getting some episodes released here here in the near future so I don't want anybody to think we're like 
you know, dead in the water there, but uh, it's kind of like you were talking earlier that the podcast, you got to keep them going, you know, so people keep listening, but uh, yeah, season two is, uh, is about to get dropped and uh, you can catch a lot of free, like the, the podcast has got some great information in it um, that uh, you can just get for free and apply it to whatever it is that you do. So. All right, listeners, let's get out there and make our world, our country and our community a better place. When you succeed, we all succeed. And as always, this is a friendly reminder that the left lane is for passing. So speed up or move over.